The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike, heard daily right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I'm on the line today with a person that I've just got to meet through a recommendation of a mutual friend, and I am so honored. I've known about him for years. He has been a speaker on the Promise Keeper circuit back in the days when uh, those meetings were just changing lives in men all across the country and the world. And also, he's an author. He's the founder of an organization called Dare to Share. And uh, these ministries help young people around the world in discipleship and in evangelism. And it's with that I am able to welcome Greg Steer to our program today. Greg, welcome, man. So glad to be a part of your program. Well, it's great. On this uh, very day, you're also part with Jim Daly on Focus on the Family, and and that's uh, pretty exciting as well. You're getting out on the airwaves in a big way today. Yeah, I guess today is uh, my radio day, so it's kind of <laughs> fun to get the word out. And, you know, God, God uses stories. I mean, you see Jesus tell stories, you know, and God uses stories, and I got a pretty crazy story of growing up. And when you're raised in it, you don't necessarily see it, think of it as crazy. And and later on, you look back and you're like, my goodness, you know, that was wild. And, uh, but God has redeemed every last bit of that for his maximum glory and the advancement yeah. of the gospel. You know, I, I was having a conversation, Greg, with a, a person recently who made this statement. He, he said it this way. He said, God never wastes anything. And that's so true Uh, regarding what happens in our lives. We can find ourselves doing something today that we never thought we'd be doing. And we wonder, Mm -hmm. how did I get here? And I thought I was going to be doing this. And was all of that a waste? And it really is not a waste. It God never wastes anything. He uses it all. And the experience that he's given you has been used uh, in so many different ways. But all of it is now coming together for what you are doing today. And that's the way God moves, isn't it? That's exactly how God moves. And and I'm grateful um, for his redemptive power, how he brings that which is broken and makes it makes it beautiful. And he will make everything beautiful again one day completely. And we all can't wait until that day. Yeah, especially in a day like today when things in the world are so much in upheaval and we wonder, Lord, what can this ever be fixed? Will this ever come together? And whether it does in this life or not, none of us know, but it will come together on that day. Well, I, you know, I, I told you, I, I sent out a tweet this morning. If you put your hope in politics, your emotions are going to be on a bungee jump depending on the news cycle. Yeah. If you put your hope in Christ, your heart is always ready and steady no matter what because you know who's on the throne and it's not a president it's not the senate you know it is jesus christ mm-hmm. uh, high and lifted up and he's not biting his fingernails so we have nothing to worry about 
I agree. I uh, recently had a chance to speak up in Gainesville at Abundant Grace, and I was uh, uh, bringing a message that day that the Lord had just put on my heart from Psalm 130. And in there, it talks about our source of hope, and the source of hope is not in this world. That's for a fact. Our source of hope is, is the fact that God's word is there for us. We hope in the word, the psalmist said. And that's really why we can sleep at night, man. <laughs> in this crazy man. world, we have hope still. Amen. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Greg. Where did you grow up? How did you come to know the Lord? And tell us about your story. You know, every every city's got a city within the city. So every city's got the bad part of town. And it's true in Los Angeles and Chicago. It's true in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, it's true in Denver, Colorado, where I was raised. I was raised in a place called North Denver. And b- believe it or not, there it was mob controlled at the time. There was a mob family. And uh, <clears throat> we, we were um, a family that was not organized crime. We were disorganized crime. I, I was raised in a family full of bodybuilding, tobacco chewing, beer drinking thugs. And that's just the women, sadly. But, uh, <laughs> three of my, three, seriously, three of my uncles were competitive bodybuilders. The fourth one was a bouncer at the toughest bar in Denver. The fifth one was a golden gloves boxer, judo champion, war hero. My ma was the only girl in the group and they were all afraid of her because she she smoked a cigarette and carried a baseball bat and that was the way that's the way she wielded violence and so it was just raised in this very violent family uh and i was like young sheldon in the hood i was a terrified nerdy little kid that carried the dictionary around with me wondering how in the world i got stuck in this neighborhood the highest crime area of denver i got stuck in this family uh the 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 mafia had uh, the Denver Mafia nicknamed my uncles the Crazy Brothers. Oh my! So goodness. when the when the Mafia thinks your family is dysfunctional, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign. And so, so I'm raising this crazy, violent family. Saw all sorts of violence growing up, and uh, just terrified. I was a terrified uh, little kid, and um, yeah, that was my that was my upbringing, and then. Jesus came in and literally changed everything. I mean, it was like a tsunami, wow. you know, uh, everybody's talking about, you know, the, with the latest political situation, the red tsunami that didn't happen. Let me tell you, there was a red tsunami that went through my family and it, it was not politics. It was the blood of Christ. Oh, that's that well said. Swept my, swept my family away uh, one by one through various circumstances. Um, it started with my uncle Jack. My uncle Jack looks like the Marvel character, the Wolverine, mm. um, but bigger <laughs> um, and tattooed. Uh, but he had the big lamb chop sideburns, the hair topped like this. He was angry like the Wolverine. He went to jail for choking two cops unconscious at the same time with trying to arrest him on assault charge. Just spent a lot of his life in jail. And then a hillbilly preacher from the deep south uh whose nickname for whatever reason was yankee planted a (laughs) church in the suburbs of denver and on a dare went to my uncle jack's house there was a guy at yankee's church named bob daly who knew my uncle jack was too afraid to share the gospel with him went to his house knocked on his door jack came to the door no shirt on tattoos everywhere two beer cans one for drinking beer one for spit and chew because what do you want 
He said, I'm here on a dare from Bob Daly to tell you about Jesus. And he goes, well, I don't know Jesus. I know Bob. I'll give you five minutes. And Yankee explained the gospel that Jesus came to die for sinners, that Jesus paid the price for Jack's sin on the cross, that Jesus was buried, rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death, and offered Jack eternal life if he simply trusted in him. And he said, does that make sense? And my uncle Jack didn't know any better. He goes, hell yeah, that was a sinner's prayer. Was hell yeah. <laughs> he trusted in Jesus. And wow. that began the domino effect in my entire family. Wow. One dare that was given to yep. him. And, and you know, those moments where you're walking up and you're going to really knock on a door of someone that you know, you're a little bit concerned about. I mean, that takes a lot of courage. So that guy, uh, kudos to him, man, for his courage. Yeah, you know, Yankee, he's still alive. He lives in Tampa, Florida. He's in his 80s, and he's still preaching the gospel. He's traveling in Winnebago, wow. preaching the gospel all over the nation, still mobilizing teams for the gospel. And so I'm, I'm extremely thankful for a hillbilly preacher nicknamed Yankee who God used to, to reach my toughest uncle. Uh, and then through other circumstances, one by one by one, my entire family ended up coming to Christ. Now, I was going to ask you, was it a direct thing from Jack to you, Uncle Jack to you, or or did it uh, kind of go through some other family members before it reached you? <clears throat> now, here's where it gets a little uh, unique. My grandparents were Christians, and they were Baptists, and I think they felt bad for how their kids turned out because mm. they were all rebellious. And mm. so they took me and my brother to church. And it was at Bethany Baptist Church, June 23rd, 1974. I heard the gospel. And I had, they told me things like, hey, if you want to get to heaven, like Jesus in your heart, our Sunday school teacher would tell us that. And I was like, what does that even mean? If I get a heart transplant, does Jesus go with it? If I cough too hard, does Jesus come flying out? I didn't understand it. and uh, <laughs> But I'd asked Jesus in my heart a thousand times, so I figured one of them had to take. So I, I asked my grandpa you know, Hey, would you, you know, I want to get baptized. So I walked forward and uh, to get baptized at the end of the service. And, uh, pastor Claude Pettit said, before you get baptized, you got to be a Christian. That means you believe Jesus died for you on the cross in your place for your sin, that he rose from the dead and you're trusting in him alone to forgive you for all your sins and give you eternal life. Have you done that? Well, in my mind, I said, I, Jesus, I trust you. But right then I trusted in Christ. I go, yes. Wow. He didn't know that he had just led me to Christ. And uh, so my grandmother wrote in my little red Bible in that Ford F-150 truck on the way home, Greg Steer received Jesus Christ as his personal savior on June 23rd, 1974. So all this was kind of happening around the same time. My Uncle Jack came to Christ. My Uncle Bob got in a barroom brawl with a guy. Uh, literally, the guy had stabbed his best friend five times and stabbed the bar owner once mm. and then turned on him. My uncle Bob ended up beating this guy to death. Oh my God. And uh, the cops arrested him through in the back of the squad car. He's covered in blood. They had to take off his boots because they were so bloody before he got in the car. And then he sees the EMTs working on this guy to try to resuscitate him. He realized I just killed this guy. And he called out to God in the back of the squad car. And it was in the back of the squad car that he fully surrendered to Christ. And he was released the next day because they revived the guy. And, uh, oh, he wasn't there. Yeah, well, he was, He was. you know, his heart had stopped. 
And uh, but later on, they were able to resuscitate him. My uncle Bob didn't know to the next day. Oh wow! Um, so, but he he ended up going to Florida Bible College a year later. Is that right? Uh, where where Yankee had gone in Hollywood, Florida. Yep. And uh, yeah, so my my entire family through these crazy circumstances were you know just reached with with the gospel of Christ and and much of it due to this hillbilly preacher nicknamed Yankee. You know, you bring up a point, uh, you, you were reached through your grandparents, and I think that's something that's almost lost to a lot of young people today, the the power and the influence of a grandparent on the lives okay. of the, of these uh, of their grandchildren. Mm. It's significant, isn't it? You know, it's funny because my, my uh, yes, and my grandmother set me down um, when I became a preacher, because I was always telling the story about Yankee. And all my family came to Christ. And I, I wrote a book uh, called Unlikely Fighter that tells all the story of my entire family coming to Christ. My grandma pulled me aside and she said, Greg, I know you you credit Yankee and you should. But just know that your grandma was on her knees every day interceding to God on behalf of all my kids. Yeah. But God used Yankee as an answer to my prayer. And so I always say never underestimate the power of a, grand, a praying grandma or grandpa or mom or dad. Um, and so prayer, you know, don't worry about your kids or grandkids. Pray for them. Let yeah. worry be a prayer reminder uh, that, man, don't worry about anything, but in everything, my prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, you know, make your requests known to God. And so that's what my grandma did. She was a tough lady and she took that toughness out in prayer uh, before the throne and God sent a hillbilly preacher in answer to her prayer. Yeah. I remember a song that Stephen Camp, Steve Camp uh, sang years ago called Run to the Battle. And he talks about God's army marches on its knees. Yeah. And that's a great thought, isn't it? And they led by led by grandmas on their knees. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Know? So, well, boy, that's really exciting. And you came to the Lord, and obviously, uh, God had uh, plans for you in your life. Did you ever have, as a young person, any idea that you would be reaching out on the scope or on the breadth of how God has used you? <clears throat> you know, when I came to Christ, um, and I went to Yankee's church in his little Christian school, and it was a fundamentalist kind of very conservative, but very gospel focused. And they taught us how to preach. The preacher boys is what we were called. When we were like 12, 13, 14 years old. And when my grandpa died, my uncles, who were now all saved but one, gathered around and said, hey, Uncle Richard hasn't put his faith in Christ yet, so we want you to do the sermon at grandpa's funeral. And I'm like, uh, I'm 15. <laughs> you, right. need, you need a professional. And they're like, no, we we know you're going to give it clear. And uh, my one uncle goes, are you chicken? I go, nope, I'm not chicken. I'm going to do it. So I preached. There was 500 people. I preached my first real sermon. At age 15. 30, 30 minutes. Wow. Um, 500 people. Many put their faith in Christ. My uncle Richard. And this is the reason my uncles wanted me to preach. They wanted him to hear the gospel and come to Christ. He had his arms folded and his eyes open when I had everybody bow their heads and close their eyes, shaking his head like, you ain't getting me, boy. And he didn't trust Christ till years later. 
but uh, I knew from that moment, I felt the gravity and the power uh, and the seriousness of preaching the gospel. And I knew from that moment, that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. Boy. That's a great story. A great, it's not just a story. That almost, I think, uh, kind of makes it uh, shrunk down too small in size to realize what we're saying. That is a great testimony. And the Bible yeah. talks about, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I'm so grateful that he gave you, Greg, that kind of a, a background. And boy, at age 15, that is that is such an unusual occurrence for most 15-year-olds. But clearly, God was using it to prepare you for what you are doing today. Yeah, and you know, I ended up, <clears throat> I wrote a memoir um, that's 22 chapters long, but the first 21 chapters happened before I turned 16. So it's really the book Unlikely Fighter is really about uh, growing up in this crazy family and how the power of the gospel changes everything. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and it's 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 one of those. It was actually writing the book Unlikely Fighter was very traumatic for me because I preach and I tell little store bits of the story and get people laughing and get people crying and then they just preach, right? But when you write a book, you get in a time machine with the reader and you take them back to mm -hmm. the dysfunction room. And man, I was calling my wife like, why am I crying? She goes, you're just going, you're going through self-imposed therapy. Yeah. You know, going back and reliving <laughs> all that stuff. And that's exactly, it actually was, I mean, I would have wrote the book now just for me because it really helped me process. That's really a, a, a truth. What we go through, when we look back on it, we realize the, the depth and the gravity of all it meant, and it can just bring a fresh wave of emotions to us. we like, how in the world did God do that and why he did? I'll never know, but I'm glad he did. My guest today is Greg Steer. We'll be back with him. He's an author. He's a speaker. He leads Dare to Share, and we're going to hear about Dare to Share when we return. This is Afternoons with Mike, heard right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me on today's program is Greg Steer. Greg is founder of Dare to Share. He's a speaker. He's an author. You've heard his amazing testimony in segment one of how he came from a completely dysfunctional family, crime-ridden, uh, associated with the mob in some degrees, and through all of that, in spite of all of that, came to know the Lord through a variety of circumstances, not the least of which would be praying grandparents. Oh, grandparents, I just want to say it one more time. Pray for your young people. If you don't see them move, making any motions at all as a move toward God, don't give up. Continue to pray because God can do something. And the word dare, you use that in segment one when you were talking about Yankee being dare to go up and to testify and to kind of share his faith with your uncle Jack 
Uh, Dare to Share is such a great name. I actually used that name in a series one time uh, hmm. that I was when I was a youth pastor in Kentucky. Uh, I was involved with evangelism and I used that name and I've liked that name ever since, although I didn't copyright it. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you did, man. That's awesome. What a great, what a great name for evangelism and faith sharing, uh, because at the bottom of every time we ever share, there's a bit of a sense where we feel like we're being dared to do it. And we could almost be talked out of doing it because it's, uh, there's a little bit of risk involved every time you share your faith. Totally. I mean, it's, you know, it can be a scary thing. I, uh, you know, to tie it back into the story of my upbringing, I went to Yankees, you know, when I became a teenager, I went to Yankees youth group. And this hillbilly preacher, nicknamed Yankee, had a youth group called Youth Ranch. Sounds like a boys' home. But he had 800 teenagers every week, every Thursday night. I only had 300 adults in his church, but he had 800 teenagers in the youth group because he believed that the fastest way to reach a city for Christ was through the young people. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, Teenagers come to Christ faster. they can spread the gospel farther than adults with one TikTok video. Um, they are, they're looking for a cause and a mission. And so, you know, I got involved and I was equipped to share the gospel. I was given a Bible, you know, he's like, Hey, study this. And then, you know, trained, given a stack of gospel tracks and they taught us how to study the Bible. They taught us how to make disciples. And so that's why the youth group was so large is we were equipped to share the gospel and we reached our friends and classmates and teammates and brought them to youth group and discipled them ourselves because we were trained how to do that. And so Dare to Share really came out of that philosophy. I saw it. Now Yankee was kind of a fundamentalist. Uh, it was like, we're the only ones with the truth kind of guy at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why don't we train other, when I was 15, I was like, why don't we train other churches how to do this? And uh, he's like, we're the only ones with the clear gospel, boy. And I'm like, yeah, no. And so I got on the <laughs> phone. I started calling churches. And I got a hold of Community Baptist Church, which is about a mile or two away. And uh, got on the phone with the youth pastor, Clay Stone. I'm like, hey, we're from this youth ministry. Have you heard of it? Well, everybody had heard of it because it was the largest youth ministry, probably in the nation at the time. And uh, I go, with the way we've grown is because we're equipped to share the gospel and we're all doing it. Can I come? equip your youth group how to share the gospel. And he goes, what are you doing Wednesday night? And I go, I'm riding my bike there to train. And he goes, how old are you? I go, 15. He goes, come on down. This youth pastor let me ride, rode my bike over there and train the whole youth group how to share the gospel. I call that the unofficial beginning of Dare to Share because for the last 31 years, in a sense, I've been riding my bike all over the nation, all over the world, sharing the gospel. Now I don't take a bike anymore. I right. planes, trains, and automobiles, but <laughs> we've trained, we've been able to train millions of teenagers, um, how to share the gospel over the last 30, you know, one years of ministry, uh, through curriculum, training tools, events. We just got finished with a national simulcast called dare to share live where we had a thousand plus churches from all 50 States, many in Florida, uh, and 27 countries, that were trained, equipped, and mobilized in one day, last Saturday, actually, how to share the gospel. And those kids all went out, dared to share, and equipped to do it 
and they went out and shared the gospel from coast to coast and beyond. And uh, so I, I just believe every major spiritual awakening has had teenagers on the leading edge of it. If you take a look throughout history, um, I believe it's time. I think it's time we're, we're due a great awakening. We are. You know, what you're saying is exactly what happened in the 70s with the big Jesus movement that happened. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, it was young people coming, and it was the likes of Billy Graham speaking at, uh, what was it, Ex- Explo, uh, Explo 72, 72 yeah. in yep. uh, Texas. And from there, uh, this whole revival happened. It reached my community where I was a young person. Back in the day, I graduated in, from high school in 71, and we found ourselves being affected by this thing called Jesus music and all of the stuff that was going on, and it was so mm-hmm. compelling. And I saw people who were in the drug culture come to the Lord. We were out witnessing. Uh, it was a move of God. And you know, I know you know this, Greg. We can't just snap our fingers and make a revival happen. No. But, but when it but does. You can put in, but you can put in the plumbing and ask for God to turn on the faucet. Ah, and so that's right. I think that's what we got to do. We, you know, and that's what we do at Dare to Share. We put in the plumbing, tools, resources. We have a life in six words face sharing app where students can, if they can swipe and read, they can share the gospel using life in six words. We have free evangelism training. Like Dare to Share Live, it's an event. Uh, costs us several hundred thousand dollars to pull off. It's provided free of charge for the youth leader because a lot of these youth leaders, you know, they can't afford any. They don't have any budget. They're volunteers. You know, we had, you know, a, a youth group uh, in the Navajo Nation in Gallup, New Mexico, bring three other, four other, four churches together to do Dare to Share Life together. We had a huge group up in San Francisco, Alameda, that came together to pull off their own. We have small groups in the Bronx or, you know, Florida, wherever, big, small, medium, full-time, part-time, volunteer. Let's train them all and let's figure out how to see this thing go global so that we're mobilizing teenagers across the street and around the world to dare to share their faith. And I'll be honest with you, when when parents and grandparents see their kids and grandkids actively making disciples, they get excited and they get convicted because they know down deep inside they should be leading the way. I really feel we're going to see revival sweep from the youth room through the church auditoriums mm-hmm. I believe because it. our teens are going to lead the way. I'm praying for that, and it couldn't happen at a more needed time than just right now. I mean, right now, we need this. And, you know, if anyone listening out there thinks, well, this is that's for young people. No, it isn't, really. This is something for us all. I think of, of the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 when he said, you will be my witnesses yep. throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, we are all called to share our faith. And in a real sense, Greg, we're all called to dare to share, be willing yeah, to share. That's it. And we got to get out of that, that that mindset that this is just for the preachers, or in this case, this is just for the teenagers. Or for God the evangelists. Placed, yeah, or for the evangelists. You know, the job, I'm an evangelist. You know what my job is? is not evangelism. That's secondary. It's my job teaching is to others. equip God's people. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so... So, you know, how do we do that? How do we bring the gospel up? So at Dare to Share, um, we train uh, with three words, ask, admire, admit, ask questions, find out what they believe spiritually, admire what you can, find common ground. That doesn't mean you agree with them, but you, you find something that you appreciate. And then you admit the reason you're a Christian 
is you're so sinful, you needed Jesus to save you. That's where you share your testimony. And then you share the gospel. And so at Dare to Share, we use a gospel acrostic that tells the whole story of the gospel. We literally have teenagers. And that, I toured with Promise Keepers uh, one tour in 2003 called The Challenge, where we trained all the men in the gospel acrostic. Now think about this, 200,000-ish men getting trained in the GOSPL. God created us to be with him. Oh, is our sin separated us from God? Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And that's the so, gospel. There it is. That's the gospel across it. It's on our website. Download it. You know, use it. <clears throat> memorize it. It's on the Life in Six Words app, which is free. But let's memorize it. And then let's articulate it. Let's bring it up. And we have a saying at Dare to Share, awkward is awesome. Because mm. it's when you bring the gospel up or bring church up or spiritual things, it can be awkward. But Jesus, he was the prince of peace and the king of awkward. He, he created awkward moments everywhere that he went, you know, to the woman at the well, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you've had, you know, you've had five husbands and the dude you're shacking up with now is not your husband. That's awkward. Mm-hmm. But that is in the crucible of the awkward where repentance, a change of mind, a change of perspective happens. And so we need to help people uh, lean into those conversations because every one of your listeners right now is being placed in a community, in a family, in a job, in a place, in a circle of friends where they are the preacher. They are the priest. Mm -hmm. They are the Christian. And it's their responsibility to reach those around them. I believe when we stand before God, we're going to give an account on how faithful we were where he placed us to live the gospel, but to give the gospel. And some people use that, like, I just live the gospel. They use that quote, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. I hate that quote. I changed it to preach the gospel. It's necessary, use words. Right. Um, (laughs) You you have to articulate it. And of course you want to live it. Otherwise, nobody's going to take you seriously. Right. And we want to do it to honor God, not just out of a sense of fear or not out of a sense of like wanting to make it into heaven. And boy, I got to do this. You know, we're not talking about a law here, but we are talking about understanding that God is a God of grace and he has given us the grace to fulfill. I love that old saying that says wherever God guides, he provides and he gives us the grace we need to fulfill the task that he's given. So there's not a one of us that is ill-equipped for that if we really get right down to the brass tacks about it. Well, we got the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? Their tongues are set on fire for the gospel in different languages. Now, I think the sign is people get all twisted around the uh, axle about tongues there. Are they for today? Are they not? I think the whole point is when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, he sets his, he sets your tongues on fire. 3,000 are added to the number that day. You start preaching the gospel. So people say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm like, okay, when's the last time you mm-hmm. shared the gospel? And they're like, well, I don't really do that. I'm like, well, are you sure you're filled with the Spirit? Because <laughs> yeah. that's he's going to set your tongue on fire. The, yeah. the Spirit comes with matches, right? Yeah, I and agree. Setting tongues on fire. Yeah, I heard one time that the greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is whether you're evangelizing, 
whether you're sharing your faith and whether you're being that witness as Jesus called us to do. And that is so important. Now you've taken the message not only through uh, youth groups, but also through promise keepers. And I think one of the, one of the questions that a lot of people would have, when we look back to that move that we talked about a while ago in the seventies and the eighties, when the Lord was just moving so dramatically, maybe even in late sixties that started with Woodstock and you move forward and Mm -hmm. God's just using all of this. And then they compare that time frame to today when we've got social media technology and all of this mess that's going on with things like TikTok, for example. Uh, yep. I think a lot of people are saying, Greg, how are you reaching young people today in this culture? Well, you know, there's a there's an Old Testament story about Benaiah that is David's um, bodyguard. And he goes up against an Egyptian who's seven foot tall. And he's got a giant spear, and all Benaiah has is a club. Well, Benaiah takes the giant, the giant Egyptian spear away and stabs him with his own spear. I think Satan, we look at Satan and how he has used technology, right? I'm like, you know what? Let's take it away from him and stab him with his own spear. Let's mm. let's use technology to advance gospel. So I dare to share, like dare to share live this last weekend. Uh, we had everybody take out their life in six words app. We have an animated gospel video. We said, we want you to send that to a friend right now. And some of you are going to be saying, we're going to give you an extra dare. Post it on your TikTok. Post it on Instagram. And so these kids taking these huge acts of faith at the event, not just to share Christ with strangers in the streets, which they did later on, but to send that on social media uh, so all their friends can see it and hear the gospel of Christ. I think it's time we play offense. I think we've played too much defense with our teenagers, trying to slap the sin out of their hands. I'm like, we need to give them a mission, a vision. Mm. You know, king, a cause, and a crew. King Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Cause, go and make disciples. Crew, we're going to do this together. That's a beautiful youth group. That's a beautiful plan. And you know, to those, uh, we got just enough time in this segment. I'd love for you to uh, uh, kind of direct, if you will, to youth pastors, because you were affected greatly, even in age 15, giving a message that was opened the door for a youth pastor. For those youth pastors that are out there that might be a little, let's say, uh, road worn, if that's a term yeah. I can use, there may yeah. be a little disillusioned by what's going on around them. Uh, speak to them, if you will. Yeah, um, you need some tackling fuel. You know, that's a reference from the Water Boy. You need, you need, you need some, some, some passion, and that passion comes from seeing lives changed and souls saved. So, I want to encourage you with this. I wrote a book called "Gospelize Your Youth Ministry." Gospel I Z E. Gospelize is the old English word for. Uh, evangelize. And it's based on seven values that will help you build a gospel advancing disciple making ministry. And they're all rooted in the book of Acts. It's a free book that download on dare to share.org. That's the number two dare to share.org. Go there, look up or just Google dare to share gospel eyes and it'll pop up and download that book and read it and be encouraged. And if you're a pastor, I would encourage you to read the book as well. I was a pastor, a church planner for 10 years, uh, doing Dare to Share on the side. Uh, and we applied a lot of these values in our church, and we were able to see immense growth, new disciples made and multiplied because of many of these values. And so pastor, youth pastor, uh, just look up Gospel Eyes by Greg Steer, S-T-I-E-R, and you can just download it for free, read it, and be encouraged 
And then we also have, we, you know, on our website, uh, we have a whole team of um, youth leaders on our Facebook page. It's the Gospel Advancing Ministry Facebook page. Uh, just get on daretoshare.org, snoop around, be part of the team, and we will help you build a gospel advancing ministry. I can see you're doing it. Greg Steer is my guest today from Dare to Share, author of several books. He's already mentioned the one, Unlikely Fighter, the story of how a fatherless street kid overcame violence. That's something that you got to read. All right, we'll be back with Greg for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. I'm having a great time today talking to Greg Steer from Dare to Share Ministries. Uh, Greg is out there on the front lines of teaching uh, churches, teaching youth groups, just sharing with uh, individuals the truth of the gospel. He's doing it both as a speaker and as an author. He leads this ministry that's used around the country and we've already mentioned the fact that doors are opening uh, on a regular basis for him to do that. One of those doors that he spent a, a number of years with was a, a movement that was back in the early 2000s and maybe even in the late 90s. It was called the Promise Keepers. And I, that movement is still around. I'm hearing that there are some things reviving about that. You were a speaker. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and it was, I would say, it wasn't quite the heyday. It was when they moved from stadiums to large indoor arenas. Um, that's kind of when I came in, and I spoke at an event called The Passage, which was their first teen, first and only teen boy event, so teens and their dads. And I spoke on, you know, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. I talked on purity, sexual purity. They gave me the purity talk. Um, and uh, I'll never forget that. And then I, I talked to uh, Randy Phillips, who was the president after, and I was like, hey, why don't you let me train all these guys at your PK events how to share the gospel? And he's like, okay. And I was shocked. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, for what, 18-city tour, we were able to train close to 200,000 men mm. um, how to share the gospel, gave them the 48-hour challenge to share Christ with one person within 48 hours. And, and then after that, toured and did, you know, just uh, preaching, preaching. I always tie the gospel in, obviously, and always some kind of challenge to come to Christ, but also share the gospel. And it was great. And, you know, PK has changed over the years. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, they did a um, kind of a, a comeback live uh, simulcast. Um, and, man, over a million men tuned in to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so now they do regular um, 
you know, webinars and, you know, streamed events that deal with anxiety or one of the seven promises or evangelism. And then, I mean, they're getting hundreds of thousands of men tuning into those. So, uh, yeah, they're still promise keepers is, uh, you know, they've made the switch, uh, from, you know, doing a massive tour of large stadium events to really finding their niche, uh, online and, who knows? Maybe down the road they'll they'll bring back some of the events as well, um, which are always great. Uh, but yeah, the, they're you know they're still around, still rocking. Mm-hmm. And um, I've I've been able to, I've been privileged to be, you know, a part of some of their stuff, and so excited to do that. Well, they've done a great work, a great reputation, and thousands of men have had their faith just really strengthened and really lives changed as a result of that ministry. I still, well, you know, man, you know, here's the day that God used them to create men's ministry. And so, mm-hmm. you know, men's ministry is now a thing it, before PK, it wasn't really a thing. And now, you know, every, you know, significant church has got a significant men's ministry mm-hmm. and promise keepers, you know, God used PK to launch that. So even, even if it wasn't around today, which it is, but even if it wasn't, it is, it is lasting impact in the kingdom of God. Without a doubt. Greg, when you look at uh, what we were talking about earlier, this kind of culture in which our young people are growing up right now, there's all of this that's going on that is different today than what would have been my experience when I was growing up. This whole thing about the emphasis on gender, uh, transgenderism, uh, the whole thing of wokeness, uh, reaching our young people. uh, How is that impacting what you're doing and how are you fighting that? Well, you know, I mean, this, this whole, you know, the LGBTQ plus the gender identity, all of that, it just confuses kids from God's plan, which is clear from Genesis one and two, you just take them back. So what we have to do is go back and tell the story uh, of, of how God created us and male and female he created us. And for, you know, a marriage is between a husband and a wife, a male and a female. And that, that picture of what happened in the garden is, is a picture of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. And we also need to help them articulate the gospel story in a way that's not hateful. On the other side of the ledger, I think Christians we're known oftentimes just by our anger toward um, some of these extremes. And I'm like, you know what? A dog's going to bark, a sinner's going to sin. We need to love these transgender kids, these LGBTQ plus kids. We don't agree with them, but we love them. Um, And I remember I was preaching at a Promise Keepers event in Baltimore and uh, 10 years ago, and nobody knew who I was. So I get in the speaker van and the guy goes, he's supposed to drive us to the venue. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, son, this is for speakers only. I'm like, I showed him my, my, uh, lanyard and my speaking badge. I'm like, I'm a speaker. And he's like, I've never heard of you. I got nobody else. He goes, I'll give you a ride. So it gives me, gives me a ride. So I try to get backstage speakers only. I show him my badge, you know, my lanyard. Okay. Oh, come on. We never heard of you. So finally I get out and I preach 10,000 men, which is like the easiest gig on the planet, you know? I could just, you know, all these guys hepped up on the Holy Spirit and Mountain Dew, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, I could have just said, I love Jesus. How about you? And they'd have been like, that guy's so deep, you know, and uh, I get back in the speaker van when I'm done, all pumped up and we're leaving the 
the arena right downtown Baltimore. And across the street, I see a big group of lesbians protesting Promise Keepers. I knew they were lesbians because they had a big sign that said, we are lesbians. <laughs> and I'm like, pull over. There's lesbians. And we pull over. I run across the street. I go, what are you guys protesting? They said, we're protesting Promise Keepers because they hate gays. I go, I don't hate gays. And I showed them my badge. I'm a Promise Keeper speaker. And they're like, well, you think homosexuality is a sin? I go, yeah. I said, uh, and there's that's not a sin. I go, you know, we can differ on that. Let me ask you another question. Are you a sinner? They're like, homosexuality is not a sin. I go, no, no, let's, let's set that aside because we're not going to agree on that. Have you ever lied? They're like, yeah. I go, have you ever cheated? Yeah. I go, we got something in common. We both have lusted after women. And they're like, started laughing. And I go, listen, I'm a sinner. I've, I've yeah. broken God's commands. You're a sinner. You've broken God's commands. We, we both need a savior. And for 30 minutes, we had a civil conversation about Jesus and about God and about sin and about redemption and about hope. And none of them put their faith in Christ on the spot. But I guarantee you to this day, they remember that conversation. Yeah. Because I was not hateful toward them. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior just as much, if not more than any of them. And that Jesus is the answer. And yeah. I really think we need to help kids stand for truth. Yes. Don't, don't compromise what the Bible says at all, but to be loving and to be kind and to know that minds are not going to change until hearts change. Wow, you know, we got to get them saved before yeah. we get them sanctified. In the words of my grandpa, you got to catch them before you clean them. Right. Right. Uh, speaking of fish, you know. <laughs> That's good. Oh, my goodness, Greg. I really love the way that you articulate all of this because it's truth. And, you know, we're living in a time, are we not? We're living in a time where there is not a lot of kindness shown. There is a, not a lot of uh, just courtesies shown one to another. And sadly, this is what's so sad to me. That's true in the church as much as it is in the world. Oh, my goodness. Christians can be jerks sometimes. And I look at Facebook and I see the vitriol and the hatred that's spewing out oftentimes at the mouths of Christians about something political. And I'm thinking, my goodness, no wonder your neighbors who happen not to vote like you politically have not even considered Christ because if they think that's what a Christian acts like, then how are they going to ever come to Christ? And again, I'm, I'm conservative politically, very conservative uh, and all that stuff. And I, you know, I, I have no problem sharing my political views. But we need to speak the truth in love and we need to speak of Jesus and we need to care about people no matter what their politics and see them as sinners in need of a savior, yeah. just like we are, just like we are. So I think we need to be known by our love, not by our politics. We need to be known by the gospel. Um, not by other things. And so I just really think it's important um, that, again, we, we can stand for truth, but we do it with humility, gentleness, respect. But we preach the gospel, Christ and him crucified more than anything. I think what because you said what, early. I think what you said earlier is so important that we don't compromise the gospel. But that does not mean that we aren't able to carry conversations with people with whom we disagree, and we may not share their politics or their views, but we can still be kind to them while we're talking with them. Well, and I think you know the 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 way of, of change forward is transformed hearts through Jesus Christ, then renewed minds through God's word, and then change policies. Policies will flow out of that. Mm -hmm. And 
really, if we want to see America change, we need revival, you know, to sweep the nation and win hearts. And that's why I focus really on, on reaching and training young people um, to share the gospel because the cement is still wet. And that's what we do at Dare to Share. Uh-huh. We train and equip teenagers how to share the gospel. We train youth leaders how to train teenagers, yeah. uh, how to make disciples. And uh, I want to see every part of the map torn off by youth leaders and saying, we got this. Every teen everywhere in our city hearing the gospel from a friend, we're going to mobilize other youth leaders and we're going to work together until every every hallway of every school is saturated with the gospel, not because the youth leader went in to do it because they'd get kicked out, but because they've trained their Christian teens to make gospel sharing as normal as breathing. You know, going back to that old quote that is often used from Mark Twain about his death being a little premature and exaggerated, I pray that that same thing is true about uh, reaching teens for Jesus, that it's uh, much more possible than what we give credit for or any chance for in their lives. These young people are reachable because the Lord has called us to reach them. And that's all the the reason we need, right? Amen. Amen. Tell us a little bit about what's ahead for you in 2022 going on into the new year that is not that far off. Well, one thing's ahead. I mean, that's what we, what we do is our vision is every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. And so we're doing stuff in South and Central America, Africa, across the United States, and we're getting our stuff translated, uh, you know, fueling the cause until every teen everywhere has every last chance to hear the good news of Jesus from a friend. So that's what we're doing. And, you know, people go to Dare to Share, the number two, dare2share.org, can find out more. And uh, really encourage people to pick up a copy of Unlikely Fighter. I don't get any of the proceeds from that book. Every book you buy helps mobilize more students for the gospel, and it all goes to Dare to Share so we can reach a generation and mobilize a generation for the gospel. That's a great life mission that you've been living and that you're giving, and I really appreciate it. Greg Steer from Dare to Share Ministries, thank you for being uh, with us uh, on this program today, and we trust that God's going to just give us all that thing that we've talked about, and that's what we uh, just want to call on all Shepherd listeners to pray with us, that God, first of all, would give us a revival in this country, and especially, Lord, let the fires begin in the hearts of young people. Amen? Amen. Greg Steer, my guest today, and we thank you, Greg, and friends, thanks for joining us once again right here on Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time on The Shepherd.